Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to your favorite tech and philosophy podcast. It's pretty okay. Um, Are we a philosophy podcast? We're not not a philosophy <laughs> podcast. I haven't thought about that before. That's that's true. We are, I think, pretty decidedly not a tech podcast, broadly speaking. Um, but I don't know. I, Pierce, you you sort of wanted to turn us into uh, into wired for a day, so maybe just kind of push us off into the deep end. We're trying oh. to get more subscribers. Yeah, I I mean the key to that is money. N- nothing. Gotta... Nothing in the past seven years suggests that that is true at all. And you just you just pay for it. That's what that's what everybody does. I I'm, I mean when you listen to good podcast, I know that they are good podcasts because they are their ad reads are actually ads for other podcasts and so you know that that's you got you spend money to to get your earballs can we just pay for a bunch of northeastern european bots to listen or something isn't that a thing oh uh, you know we actually do uh i've looked at the the analytics and we do have a a, a decent quote-unquote uh listener base considering the overall size of our audience in singapore so that's pretty good all right we just got we just got to lean into that hello hello friends from uh many time zones away i hope you listen to our podcast about how time zones are are dumb happy to talk about that anytime podcast that we've Um, never let you do yeah uh did we not do it anyways this that's not why we're that's that's, it is a half-baked idea and i'm glad you brought that up because what i'm gonna get to is I don't think this makes it a tech or a philosophy podcast because the fact of the matter is that in the last, I guess, a year now, the term generative AI, generative artificial intelligence, or as it's referred to at work for me endlessly is gen AI, um, has popped up in many different ways. And there are these... um, advanced virtual assistants that you can ask questions of or ask to do things and they will do them for you and a case in point that that really has me has been having an impact on me and making me think more about what this means is there was there was someone and i'll try to find it later on but someone was a couple months back on twitter was expressing frustration with seeing all of these verified blue checkmark tweets in their feed. And they thought, oh, it would be so nice so I could block all these losers. Well, instead of figuring out a way to write a script to do that themselves, they asked their Gen AI tool of choice to do it. And it did it. And they showed the results. And in a way, that was really, really great. Um, 
But what it had me thinking, and I'm sure there are other examples that, that others probably know, what I view Gen AI in part enabling is on a small scale, you have these ideas that are kind of half-baked. Uh, you say, what if I could do this? And instead of going through the full process of having an idea, testing it, trying it out, and along the way, realizing go, no, go the whole time, and then actually being able to deliver, to implement, to produce the thing, we've got a, a ticket out of there, out of the doldrums, out, out of the, the trenches, and you can just get to the end. And so what I think can happen is there are a lot of half-baked ideas out there that would typically sputter out but instead these tools on again this small scale i'm sure bigger skills too are allowing people to deliver these otherwise half otherwise half-baked ideas and i don't know that i like that and so am i an old man yelling at clouds or is there something more in what this means about how we form and execute ideas. Oh, that was a really long preamble for a yes or no question. At, you end there and have the audacity to question whether or not we're a philosophy <laughs> podcast. What does this mean for how uh, we generate I, ideas? I, <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. I, I mean, well, <laughs> I, there's, it's it's not even just I mean generating ideas. I think you still have to an, have an idea to to well, I say that. I think you still have to have an idea to put in a question, but you don't necessarily. Well, I think at one point when we were bouncing around ideas for the for what to record, this was a few weeks ago. I think Max maybe asked the tool what to what to talk about or one of us did. And it just can't, maybe it was me, and I, it was when we were talking about like it just kind of gave a general, not you know standard topic like you guys should talk about generative AI rather than you know giving us our standard fare of uh, time zones or <laughs> pumpkin beers or whatever. So you know yeah. to some degree the idea is you wouldn't even have to have an idea, but, but there are as many some thought. Yeah. yeah, there are as many potential podcast topics as there are podcasts. We have to force the 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 um the GPT to listen to all of our podcasts and process them into text and then analyze them and then come up with topics for us. I, I don't. But then by that point, they could probably just make new episodes for us. I, I don't want to have to deal with the considerations of, of whether or not, um, you know, artificial beings are also protected under the Geneva Convention. So one one question I'd have Pierce is how is uh, you know let's maybe talk about the difference between what you're saying and like using a calculator to do math for us. Um, I mean, I, as someone who does not use calculators in any real way, I don't. But I mean, use like even like in, in like fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there, fourth grade is not the problem. Whatever I was doing in fourth grade. I could I could figure out myself any reasonable amount of time now. I, I know that I could do it. We're talking multiplication, division. That's really it. Um, stuff 
stuff like calculus and and coming to conclusions there. I I think that there's an expectation of this would take a really long time, but you're still going about the process. I think with with the interpretations of Gen I Gen AI a lot is this is not only something that would take me a while to do, but I may not really know how to do it. And there is the typical type of research you do yourself and you explore, how might I do that? You know, what's the best language for me to use? How do I even get started for writing a script to block all the verified blue checkmark people? But well, this skips a lot of that. I, so... So I think it's different than a calculator, but I, I think me it's, I'm wrong. I'm okay. No, no, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think it's extremely different from using a calculator. And the main difference is that the calculator is not, it doesn't really exist. Like it, the purpose is not, we're going to change the way you think about math and, and we're going to kill people's math brains by making them you know by doing all the math for them it's to make sure you get all the stuff right mm-hmm. um and and one of the current sort of uh bugaboos of the uh the chat gpts of the world is that they get shit wrong a ton there is like no consideration in their algorithms for like whether they provide you with factually correct information it's about providing yeah. something that seems plausibly correct but is not and yeah. and so like that i think that to me is is my concern more than whether it is replacing the steps like in in the in the scenario you describe the steps you're replacing are basically spending a bunch of time Googling and going through like Stack Overflow posts about how you do a certain thing in a, you know, in a particular scripting language. Mm-hmm. And like the thing is, unless you are doing those over and over again, you're not necessarily like really learning how to do those things when you do that even before these generative ai models you'd go like you'd google how to do the specific task you need to do right now just enough to finish your task or get you one step further on this idea you're looking at and then six months later you may go back and look at the exact same post again like i have dozens of bookmarks on on like on my browser that are just like things for me to come back to like reference points so that I don't have to commit things to memory basically and so like in that sense I'm not necessarily so worried that this is like sapping our brain power any more than the last 30 years of internet explosion what was already doing if that makes sense. I, I I guess I guess for me so what when you were you were talking there it had me thinking of Wikipedia in a way. And all of a sudden you don't have to go to a library or your bookshelf or whatever. There is that encyclopedia that is available to everyone for free if you have internet access. Um the difference with the 
the being right and being able to validate and everything else, which you, you know, we do have this trust with a calculator, but we know that a calculator is, is correct. Um, I think we can assume by the way that the generative AI tools are going to get a lot better too, though. So like in terms of just, just like just interceding and saying that, you know, Mm -hmm. they suck now, but theoretically they're not going to suck forever. They'll be close to perfect. They're as good as their, their source data, but even still, even if we say that they're no, getting they're, better. They're not as good as... That's the problem. They're not actually as good as their source data right now. Why? Well, I, I guess... <laughs> source data is correct. Because it's the corpus of, yeah. of information that's already being... Like, that's already been produced and is being pumped into it. And it's taking I, that I, stuff and it's giving you wrong answers to things. I, I don't I don't know what all it's scraping, but there are plenty of places that it could scrape from on the internet where things are wrong. That's that's what I'm saying. Is is okay? And yeah. and to get to my point is if you have a question about what you see on Wikipedia, same same as you know old school encyclopedia or whatever, there is a citation. There is a way to check it. Or in the case of encyclopedia, right, Britannica, that is that is the trust. Like you pay you pay for the trust in the same way you pay for the calculator. Um, we don't have that citation. So like there's, uh, again, I'm thinking on the path to uh, fruition of an idea, like you come and you get an idea and we can, we are able to validate that, yes, it is blocking all the blue checkmarked people in this, this example I started with. But there is a danger, even if it gets better, Kevin, you're absolutely right. Um, and I agree with you there. But that ability to validate all the steps along the way, we we kind of we don't have that, and I think that that's one of the things that gives me pause. It's not just you checking yourself on the way to this idea. Am I really committed to it? Not saying like, oh, it's only a good idea if you're really committed, but also the skip the steps you skip. What else are you skipping within that to get to your again maybe half baked idea? You don't know because. You don't know it's half baked because it is, you know, out of the oven at the end. So is your problem here that you're not having a you're not ending up with a result that you wanted to begin with, or is your your problem more that you're not like growing by seeing it through from the beginning to the end? I I don't know that I'm looking for personal growth. I am thinking about. Um, you know, if someone has a good idea and they, or a bad idea and they try it out and they work it out, there is a realization, uh, that, yep, that was good or that was not good. And you have more ideas based off of that experience. You're now able to, with a kernel, just act on it. And that, that process of learning what makes a good idea, what makes a bad one, you know, what aspects of this process do I need to be better about? I, that is that is growth. I understand that's growth, but um, I, I guess if you just keep if you fire off all your ideas, there's no differentiation between the good ones and the bad ones. As we've talked about before, if you're wholly results based, it's like well, I mean, there's a lot that you're missing in just judging everything by the results, and this gets us results really quickly. Um, but I don't know if results are so good. Max, yeah. yes. I mean, it's it's. I see it as like a tool to iterate on things quickly. When you're talking about a, an idea you have that 
needs code written for it rather than working on that for a while, you're going to get from zero to one a lot faster. If you have an idea that would need, you know, uh, maybe it's a business idea and you need to do simulations on, on market research. Like I think at the state it's at now, it's, it's a tool that can help you do those iterations faster. Mm-hmm. I think on the, on a personal scale, that's pretty cool because there's a lot of things that people just don't have individual time for in a given day. And it is time. Cause like, I'm not like, sure. You don't know how to code right now, Pierce, maybe, but you, you could with the right amount of time. So you're saving yourself time. The The fear I have would be more that like a lot of ideas that become half-baked tend to be seen as reality um, from a commercial perspective. Like I know it relates too much to my work and I'm trying not to make it work related, but like when we show people at work, like, hey, look at this cool little thing I've messed around with on the weekend. And they're like, mm-hmm. great, we just sold it to five com- oh, yeah. companies. So and I'm like, dangerous. no, 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 no. That wasn't, but, yeah. that's, but that's what happens like everywhere There's... and every time. And, and so I could, that's the only thing is like, especially, at, I don't, again, not just specifically talking about code, but code's a good example where like, it's less like a calculator. Like there, there, there is a way that you could get something where the result is correct, but the way you got there is mm-hmm. maybe fuzzy. Maybe there are security vulnerabilities. Maybe they're doing some data manipulation that's not really it passes the sniff test but it won't it won't pass deeper tests and if you're doing things like simulations on market cap to your point like accuracy is tough because you can ask a gpt questions that don't necessarily have accurate answers um but like you're hoping for something it, it comes down to like how you ask your question and i think if you use it as a tool and continue to iterate and and change your question and um you know, it's it's a cool way to get something faster, but there's there's definitely some hesitation there as well, of like what what it could what it could provide. Uh, yeah, this is a thing that Jason Kotke, who I, I know Pierce is a, a fan of, has talked about recently, um, like kind of revamping his website and using ChatGPT to help write a lot of the code, and. And he talked about really having, you know, he was doing this because I want to say PHP is like a, a language that he is not very familiar with um, or, or, or not so much familiar, but not like not adept with. And he talked about really having to train it and refine the questions, um, you know, yeah. refine the prompts Which- in order to go back and like. It, and it saps away some of the, you know, some of the benefit, but it is, I'm sure it was still faster than actually learning how to code fucking PHP. And, and the process you're describing is not that different than using like a contracted team or offshore team of engineers to do a project. That's what happens. You have to make the requirements perfect or like or you're gonna get what you asked for like cheating and going into the source code of websites that you like and copying blocks of their code and shit and then like tweaking it you know which is i think a way that a lot of people probably when you're kind of first learning how to how to make stuff like that is certainly a tempting proposition you know as a way to like kind of reverse engineer stuff that you like yeah, I, I guess I I am thinking back to to results based in in basketball. What what Jason Kotke is doing is is I'm imagining like you know LeBron in the summer is like, hey, I, this this summer I'm going to work on my post game a little bit. I'm getting old. I'm going to tweak my post game and I'm going to you know get it 
get a coach to help me look over it. I'm going to try different things as opposed to like, I don't know if this summer Rudy Gobert was like, I'm not going to practice this in the summer, but coach during the year, I'm going to start shooting threes. And if he made three straight threes uh, uh, at the first game of the season without practicing, that does not mean that that was like a good idea for, for him to do. So it's, (laughs) there's difference between Jason Kotke as Max, you kind of said, like, working through iterations or the person who comes in on Monday and is like, I have this this idea. I haven't tested it, haven't gone through the process, haven't really validated it, but let's just do it and and do it in terms of like, I am going to put this out there in the world. And that's, that's one where I go, it might work, but show me your work type of thing. And we're not uh, getting our work shown. I, mean, I think that we will be, in terms of seeing does it work, will be better the the computers are me better at telling you if it works than than you are like we humans are also fallible there's always you know yeah. every time you're updating any of your devices it's because they're fixing the software developers are fixing bugs that they spent years and years testing and still didn't catch um so i i guess it's just to me it's kind of circular it's well that the things we're building are gonna get better they're gonna get better they're gonna be better at checking themselves than we're gonna be better at, che- at checking them and like, so with the Rudy Gobert example, you know, he he starts the season, he takes three three-pointers in the first game and makes all three of them. Well, then humans are going to be more biased to believe that that is Rudy Gobert's summer workouts really paying dividends um, and would have a harder time of letting go of the fact that Rudy Gobert is now an excellent three-point shooter Whereas a computer is not going to have that bias and we'll be able to quickly find out that Rudy Gobert is still terrible. Well, unless the computer is trained on all the people on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it will be called at that point who are getting the, you know, who are getting the conclusion wrong in the first place. Um, You know, I think to, to maybe start piloting us toward a place where we can wrap up I, I would say that like i am broadly like i am i'm very aggressively uh skeptical of these new new bits of technological progress that large institutions or loud kind of evangelist snake oil salesmen tell us are going to like revolutionize life altogether. Um, think cryptocurrency, um, NFTs, <laughs> any, just anything that has the, the phrase web three attached to it, just get it out of my face. Um, but like the reason that I'm skeptical of those things is because I am skeptical of any time anyone sweeps in and says, this thing is absolutely going to change everyone's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, I am distrustful of the motivations that those people have for saying it. I am distrustful of the ways that they want to use it. But like this, this is a weird one for me because like, Generative AI, you know, as, as a, a a person who, who loves journalism, like 
uh, generative AI, large language models are fucking terrifying. Um, and, and like they are literally, they are already starting to invade local news outlets and push mm-hmm. people out of jobs. And so like, yeah. you know, some of those fears are, are really warranted. Um, but I also think that like most of the way that this stuff is going to end up being used is not actually those like super big institutional uses. And so in some ways, like I I am not particularly concerned about the, like the everyday person, you know, using AI to help them kind of bang out a bunch of hobby ish ideas. Like, I don't know. I think I think it's just on a normal continuum with like Googling stuff or using Wikipedia instead of having to lug around encyclopedias. Yeah. Yeah. So or I was gonna use another example of like if you want to change something about your house, but you're not the most handy guy in the world, you just hire someone else to do it and you free up your time for other things. And this kind of seems like a different version of that, except the cost is much cheaper because computer labor is cheaper than human labor. And there is, in that case, I'm, there's work being done on my house currently. Um, there is someone that has a track record that I trust and it's verifiable. And I know that they will be good at doing the particular task that I'm I'm asking them to do. And so maybe I need to be more trusting of these tools but I don't know, Max, maybe, I don't know. Well, I think that goes back to the calculator example. Like, like if you think of these GPTs as big calculators, like you saying the calculator is accurate because you know what it's going to do and they've been around long enough that you trust them. So if you're able to ask a GPT a language, like a question that to your point, you're confident in the correct answer, then it, then it could just be the tool that replaces that. Yeah, I, I think, right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's also there's also a legitimate I guess there's also a legitimate concern that this doesn't this doesn't just speed the process up for like well-meaning people that are doing things in good faith. And, and yeah. these things like necessarily it also will speed the sort of iterative process up for the worst people you know. Um, but again, like, I don't know. This is one of those things I, I, I think I, I, I just said, I'm very skeptical of both of this and crypto, but I am skeptical of them in very different ways. Um, this one seems to me to be much more of the garden variety kind of early skepticism about, any other technological process that will sort of inevitably become a, a fairly routine part of all of our lives, as opposed to something like crypto, which has f- more or less from the beginning been 99% snake oil. And I think frankly, always will be. Well, and, and there's something, and this is, this is the thing that I'm ultimately <coughs> thinking about, you know, small scale, maybe I need to open myself up to this. Um, but even on the small scale, I know one thing to be true about 
the internet, uh, the information superhighway, which is that it's wonderful, except that it's terrible. And the, the technology behind a lot of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin blockchain, there are a lot of very positive things to, to that, like the, the underlying technology. There are a lot of positive things that can be said about that. Very curious things, very interesting in applications. Ultimately, the way we apply these technologies is what concerns me because I know what our history is as humans using the internet. And usually they find the deepest, darkest, most terrible things to do with it. And that's what becomes really, really popular. Swindling people out of lots and lots of money based off of gullibility and faces they know, like celebrities and everything, and saying, isn't this so great? And then whoosh, it's all gone. And like, that's how the internet unfortunately works i mean that we we know what has happened to media because of the internet you give something someone for free and then you yank it away and they don't want to pay for it people don't want to pay for the advertising dollars so the people who have been working and banging out posts are not only now out of a job but they were replaced by cnet having uh, an ai edge and ai so this could be great and i should accept that as you all as you've said like maybe this is fine maybe this is just a new tool but we don't have any guardrails and i know it's going to be used in terrible ways even at a small scale mm. yeah things are already things are already crap is what you're saying so <laughs> things, well, crap. things things may not be crap yet but we will we will take these ideas and we will follow the process which seems to always lead to crap I'm starting to realize that it's not really that much of a coincidence that we are recording this 24 hours after I went to go pick up the new Michael Lewis book about Sam Bankman Freed. <laughs> Man, Michael Michael Lewis is I, I I have Moneyball here. I think it's Kevin's copy, and I want to read it. But increasingly, I'm like, is Michael is Michael Lewis just just like Chat GPT at this point? It's like, ah, yeah, he covered. He, he did the book The Blind Side, but had no idea what was actually going on the whole time. And we accepted it as fact. I mean, what if what if Billy Bean like really can't do that fourth grade math even? And he's just spouting stuff off and it just happened to work for the A's. Like, I don't know now. He is chat GPT. I, he is bar. I tend to think that the blind side thing with Michael Lewis at and we're we're wrapping up our, our main topic, but I t- yeah. I tend to think that he just should never have been allowed to write the blind side. Not like, I don't think it's necessarily like a larger systemic problem so much as he wrote this book that was celebrating the family of one of his high school classmates. And we generally shouldn't be letting people do that because it puts them in all these weird, uncomfortable places where they are likely to miss negative things because it's people that they have an existing positive view of. So I don't know. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on to Pierce Asari. What do you have for us today? So I I am introducing this this concept of a of as I discussed with a with a friend here, which is a dumb man tax, <laughs> and in this case, the dumb man taxes. And this was months ago, but uh, I bought a propane tank and. I would assume all of you have have been oh, part of it, a Bobby. propane tank purchase. Hmm? God dang it, Bobby! Did you buy <laughs> propane accessories? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't buy any accessories, but oh. I bought 
I bought a tank and I've done this, I don't know, probably dozens of times in my life. And I just went and bought one and I hooked it up as I always do and everything. And, and then I didn't grill for a little bit and I went back to turn it on and it didn't, didn't turn on. And I've had this grill for a couple years and I couldn't turn it, couldn't turn it, couldn't turn it. So I still have that propane tank. And the dumb man tax is I went and I had to buy a whole new propane tank. So not only did I fail to take back the busted one, but also, and, and so I had to buy a whole new one, which they are sneaky expensive if you buy a new one, if it's not an exchange. So I hated that. Um, I can still go take back the other one, but now I have two, which is slightly annoying. So the, the dumb man tax is not only that that I failed to take back the other one and be like, this is busted, I don't care, give me a new one. But when I bought it, I did not look and see that, well, of course I can't open it. The like little screw at the top is I purchased it and it was rusty already. And so I just bought a thing and I totally trusted it and didn't do any of my research. And you know what? Maybe that's one in a thousand but it was busted because I was a dumb man who did not look at my cool grilling tools and you know caused heartbreak in my household by not being able to grill on an evening. So don't be a dumb man. Look at your tools before you use them. You might you be think... off the hook on that one. Um, at well, least around me, most of the propane is sold in those auto vending machines where you don't actually mm-hmm. get to pick which one you get. Yeah. So well, they, it still it still has the, the when you pick them up they still have the uh, like plastic cap on them. Well, right. No, so I guess at well, the store you the, could take that off and then say, hey, wait a minute, and go to presumably if there was an, a human there. But if it's all robots at the store, you well, know. I, I I take that back. That's on the where you hook it up. The top that you turn is is not covered. So I should have I should have seen it. Like I I, I could have picked one out. But like mm-hmm. still at at point of purchase. That's something I could have checked, and you can check if it's a robot too, and go like, uh, uh-uh. uh. But I didn't do that. In the words of our poet laureate DJ Khaled, you played yourself. Yeah, I did. I think the I think the Pierce's segment is actually like it, I don't think ChatGPT could replace that. I think it could theoretically replace any other podcast segment on any other podcast. But I mean, that's all right. Well, you all are out of a job. Sucks. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, Let's uh let's do a big idea from pop culture. Um and I I uh I was just reading before this uh a New Yorker article by Jay Caspian Kang, formerly of Grantland, um about the Olivia Rodrigo album and uh, a concept that he referred to as displaced nostalgia. Um, and, and a thing that, that I, I thought was kind of neat that, that he said, like the, the framing of the pieces, uh, why, why can Gen X dads rock with Olivia Rodrigo? Um, and I don't know, it was just like a lot of, uh, the way he described it was, uh, where acts like Greta Van Fleet or to some extent, the strokes always gave us the feeling that they desperately wanted to be played on vinyl. Rodrigo's music feels much more like a YouTube playlist of songs that your mom really liked when she was in college. Um, but like those songs are just really heavily influenced by like 
90s kind of girl rock like the breeders and 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 bands like veruca salt and um i'm here to tell you that the album fucking whips so uh read read the new yorker article or, or don't um i'll i'll put a link to it in the show notes but uh, they put a lot of stuff behind a paywall so it might be hard to get to uh but either way i would i would definitely recommend uh giving guts a listen if you like 90s rock um it's it's a fun time very good in the car i don't, I don't know I've, i'm sure i've heard an olivia rodrigo song before but i've never listened to one if you if you get my i'm not yes. i've never played one and be like you've oh, encountered this is one. that person i hear yeah i've encountered one yeah i'm with you um, i don't think i know who that is yeah well, that's we should know who that is. They seem very, they seem very sad. She's she's on a commercial that I saw the other day. Oh, it's for the iPhone. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like her a music video is shot on an iPhone allegedly. Huh. Um, so, yeah. The rich get richer. It used to be that those, I you know, iPod commercials were were like breaking new bands. What's the only reason we all know that Jet, Jet exists? Hey, I just yeah. said I haven't heard of her, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are in a relative minority on that. <laughs> um, no, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a fun time. And I don't know if sad is the right word for all of it. Some of it is. A lot of it is more like kind of snotty rage in a way that I personally find really fun. So, uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll be for you, too. Uh, Max, it's time to hit us with a trivia question. Yeah, so um struggling to come up with something today, and I realized it's October. So what happens in October? Um, Columbus Day. Mm-mm. Well, stores, yeah. it's October 4th, so stores have already put out their Christmas stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Costco put those out two weeks ago. Um. And I believe all four uh, of the major American sports leagues participate in October. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think I, I don't watch baseball, but did the, did the MLB playoffs start recently? Yes. Like yes, perhaps going on right now? Yeah. Yes. So I was thinking you all like baseball a bit more than me. <laughs> sure. So I don't I know that what's that's up true. with the baseball. Is that not true? Okay, well, maybe this question is is too hard. I don't know. Uh, but my Kevin, question was going to be Kevin's been uh, a Kevin's been a sicko for the playoffs so far. He, he has his updates. That's all I know. All right. Well, then Kevin's got an advantage here. My question is, I wanted to know uh, what MLB teams have the longest postseason drought. So. There are two MLB teams that have not made the the playoffs in nine years. Uh, can you name one of the two? In does that include this year? Yes. Okay. All right. That's that that helps. They I mean, we'll know because yes. Yeah. Because because yes. Well, there there was we one that would have one of the two. There was one or that would have been for each. Should we name? I can do, I don't know, one point for each, I guess. I don't really, I was going to say you get two guesses and if either are correct, but I don't know the level of difficulty for this question for, for you all. So it's fairly, nine years. it's fairly high. 
I was going to say, it would be pretty high for me. That's why I was going to say two guesses to get one. If you can name both, I'll give you a bonus point. So basically the same rules you said. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, have, I have one of the teams. I'm trying to think of what my second will be. Um, uh, yeah i I mean i've i have two teams i I think i I have i think i've got two guesses um Mm -hmm. yeah i think i do too okay um i can go first um i'm going to guess the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and the Oakland Athletics. Okay. Uh, my guess is the Angels and maybe the Royals. Like they won a World Series, and then I don't know that I've heard from them since. I don't know if that was nine years ago, but it feels about right. You've Kevin GPT I, is convincing me. My guesses are the Royals and... Actually, the Royals and the Chicago White Sox. That was the third team I was bouncing around in my head. Max. All right. So my uh, sources suggest that the Chicago White Sox made the playoffs two years ago. Son of a bitch. Is that the COVID year? It doesn't uh, count. <laughs> was that COVID? I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, Two teams have eight-year droughts. That would be the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Kansas City Royals. Oh, come on. So the two Roll teams... that beautiful bean footage. With the nine-year droughts are the Los Angeles Angels and the Detroit Tigers. Oh, the that, Tigers. Okay. I, knew I, there was right a, I knew there was a team from the AL Central. Yeah, but they're all no. trash, so it's yes. really hard because <laughs> one of them has to win every year. All right, I'll take the point. All right. They're on the board. All right. I don't remember the White Sox team either. No, they, yeah. Maybe that was that one of like one game wild card. They're out. Could have been that. I don't know. Yeah, they would have had Lucas, Lucas Giolito, who now has taken his his I would garbage have, to. Yeah, I would have sworn up released. and down that the Pirates had made a wild card game in like 2016 or something, but I guess not. Um, all right. That is the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back again soon to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye.